0: Hi, I'm Sherry. And I'm Fran. Welcome to Modern Whittle Podcast. Fran, we are continuing to move forward to the seventh week of the New Year with another great show planned for our listeners. We have invited back Reverend Manish Mishra Marzetti, Senior Minister from the First Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Ann Arbor, Michigan, to be with us. Today, we are going to discuss New Year. New Spiritual You with Reverend Manish. But before we bring on our guest, Fran, you know what time it is.
1: It's time for weekend shenanigans and notable events. My notable event was courtesy of Mother Nature in the form of 15 inches of snow. Now, luckily, I didn't have to go out in it because I'm not working, Uh, So I could watch it from inside in front of the fire. I took advantage of it by getting organized for my trip to Arizona which is coming up in a few days I also watched a few good movies and sherry I made a big pot of homemade goulash which I haven't made in forever it made so much that the next day I made up some containers and I delivered them to three of my neighbors who are also single ladies and were shut in and they were so happy that they didn't have to prepare dinner that night.
0: Well first of all, 15 inches, Fran. We didn't get any. That storm went south of northern lower Michigan. So it has been sunshiny for the last three days. But you know what that means? It was 11 degrees below zero this morning. Right? Yeah. So a little nippy, but no snow. We
1: have the opposite. We got all the snow, and now it's bitterly cold.
0: Well, and how nice of you to deliver food to your neighbors. That's always such a nice gesture, and I know that people always appreciate that.
1: Yes, and they, and they all liked the goulash. I, like I said, I hadn't made it in forever, and um, oh my gosh, it was delicious.
0: Well, I want to give our listeners an update on two of my New Year's resolutions or goals, as we now like to call them. I still have not gone out to dinner by myself, but Fran, it's Friday, and tonight is the night. I am a member of the local Eagles Club, and I am going there to have dinner, and actually, I am looking forward to
1: it. And Fran, you and I have been to the Eagles, and don't we love it? I do love it. It's a typical, I'm not going to say small town, but certainly not city uh, feel. Um, It's a fraternal organization, and so everyone is very friendly.
0: Yes, it's always a fun time when you go to the Eagles. The second New Year's goal that I am going to report on is my criminal investigation class, and I have to say it's going well. Criminal justice is very interesting, and the more I learn, the greater respect I have for our police force. This last week, we wrote up search warrants, we learned how a taser works, and we also learned the three physical sobriety tests to determine if a driver is intoxicated. Now, the first test, a person stands still outside of the vehicle, and the officer moves his finger back and forth and up and down, and the person is supposed to follow the finger with his eyes without moving his had. And just for our listeners, I'm just going to use the male form of the pronoun. But I am not discluding any gender in this. For the second test, it's called the walk and turn. You walk in a straight line nine steps while you are counting out loud up to nine. You then turn and you walk back nine steps while counting nine out loud. And Fran, the third test, I don't think I could pass it. It is standing on one leg, balanced, and counting out loud to 30. So I decided that I better practice this because I don't think I could do this right now. Yeah,
1: it's not an easy thing to do.
0: No, it's not easy. And of course, the older you get, you have balance issues. So I decided maybe I better work on that.
1: Well, you know what's a good way to practice that, Cher, is when you're brushing your teeth in the morning or at night or both, Try for like 30 seconds, stand on one foot while you're brushing, then switch to the other foot while you're brushing, then switch back and forth until you're done brushing.
0: I have to say, that's a brilliant idea.
1: Yes, yes, I learned that a a few years ago.
0: And that's Weekend Shenanigans Notable Events. (laughs) We are welcoming back Reverend Manish Mishra Marzetti, and Manish, we want you to know that our listeners always love it when you are on the show. So welcome back to Modern Widow Podcast.
2: Oh, that's so sweet. Well, I love being here with you both, uh, Sherry and Fran, and, and Happy New Year to you both. I think it's my first time with you in 2022, and I'm delighted to be back. Well, well
1: yes. yes. Welcome, Manish, and, and absolutely Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year, yes, and to you and your family. Oh, thank you so much.
1: Well... Manish, um, this episode, you know, we've been in previous episodes, we've been talking about uh, New Year's resolutions, which we now call goals, and you know, New Year, New You. We thought we might talk this time a little bit about how we can have a new, quote unquote, spiritual you this year. Um, I'm I'm going to have like two parts for you. We wanted if you talk a little bit about how to achieve that, a a new spiritual you. And then my first question was going to be, it's very difficult for a lot of people, especially me, the importance of quieting your mind. There's so many times that we get a, a moment of quiet. And instead of taking those moments to reflect, All of a sudden, our head fills up with um, regrets, planning, uh, what ifs. So follow that first part up with maybe suggestions on how to quiet our mind.
2: I love this topic, Fran, and thank you for uh, laying it out so, so beautifully. I might twist the lens on it just a little bit, you know, instead of necessarily like a a new spiritual you for a new year, I might say, how about more of who we really are, more of who you really are, who I really am, who each of us really is at our best. That isn't necessarily something new and unfamiliar to any of us. It's rather moving more deeply into and with the parts of ourselves that reflect kind of deeper wisdom, our finest and deepest sense of goodness, our deepest and truest intuitions, right? So we each have a relationship with that deeper part of ourselves that we know is reliable, that is authentic, that holds integrity, that understands you know, at our core the goodness and possibility we're trying to bring alive in our lives and in the world around us. So it's more, for me, it's more a question of how can we be more of that? And, and you so beautifully in your framing laid out the dilemma. So I want to also speak a little bit to the, the dilemma, which is one of, uh, it's a favorite topic. I love talking about this, actually. So any if any of your listeners have a background in the sciences there's an intersection of two fields. It's by, uh, evolutionary biology and psychology, and that when the two come together, it's evolutionary psychology. And in the field of evolutionary psychology, pretty well established, our cognitive minds, the the way we kind of think, we are we're bio, There's a there's a survival imperative that drives us to notice problems, the things that aren't you know, perfect or right. And not just actual problems, the anticipation of problems and then the dissection of conversations and encounters to analyze for anything that might be a possible subtext that's a problem. Like this is an evolutionary strategy that is derived from the time when we were, you know, literally needing to survive in the wild and survive attacks by wild animals. We're no longer living with that kind of danger, you know, day in, day out survival related danger most of us and yet our bodies and thinking are primed to be on the constant lookout for issues problems because historically it's helped us survive and thrive as a species so exactly what you talk about you know when often we find these moments of stillness what will what will happen is our our minds our insides are perseverating and ruminating and going over and over again like either anticipated potential problems, actual things that haven't sat well or resonated well with us, current problems, or then the retrospective of, look at all the horrible mistakes I made in the past. I have to make sure I don't relive them, right? So all of this is actually, its a. these are all connected to profound survival instincts that have served our species well. We don't need to be that aware, that hyper alert, hyper vigilant anymore. With you know, modern day for the most of us, a modicum of 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 of, of comfort and basic needs being met. We're not you know uh, if you're listening to a podcast you're probably not, you know, facing day in day out starvation or or issues like that that are connected to day-to-day well-being and survival. So so the question becomes then if knowing that our minds do this and it's natural to perseverate, to ruminate, to reminisce in ways where we're often beating up on ourselves in those reminiscences, what can we do? And this gets to the question of quieting or stillness. You know, I'll say there there's, there's a distinction between, so a lot of people don't engage in meditative type practices because there's this common misperception that that means that like my mind is blank. If I'm engaging in a meditation practice and I'm doing it effectively, I need to be thinking about nothing. And I don't remember which, uh, I think it's a Buddhist teacher who says this, but what they say is, you know, your your mind only stops thinking when you're dead and none of us are, you know, looking to r- rush towards that, that finish line. So... An active mind is actually uh, an affirmation that we're not there yet. We haven't reached that finish line. So it's a good thing that our mind is active. The question is, how do we work with our active mind? And so maybe the version of quiet or stillness that I would offer that can help us reach that deeper part of ourselves that part that, is, that we know is reliable, that is authentic, that is good, that holds integrity, that we want to live more fully into that version of ourselves, not the mind that perseverates and cre- anticipates problems and often and anticipating problems creates problems, not that mind. That's the voice, the inner voice we want to try and still quiet. It won't go away though, So quieting and stillness doesn't mean that it goes away, but we can put it in perspective. And that's where spiritual practices can help us. Now, let's say it is a meditative practice. Our mind is active we notice the thinking that comes up. We don't judge it. We don't dismiss it. Uh, we don't say it's good or bad. So actually the mind perseverating, ruminating, uh, doing those kinds of things, reminiscing, that's not inherently bad. Like I said, a lot of it is also driven by uh, hardwiring in us as a species. But can we notice it and then side by side hold things like beauty and joy and our own inner goodness and the, and the deeper the deeper parts of ourselves that we're looking to bring alive. So a meditative, for example, a stillness practice or meditative practice can help not silence the, the parts of our inner monologue that aren't necessarily always helpful, but it can help us hold it in perspective. In holding it in perspective, we have more options and we can keep choosing, yes, I choose goodness. I choose to be the fullest version of me that I can be.
1: I love that concept of keeping things in perspective, because most of us, when we do start thinking about something, we do blow things way out of proportion. We worry about things that haven't happened yet that may never happen. I am I'm, I'm a terrible one for doing that. So we need to train ourselves to get back into reflecting and going within ourselves and training ourselves to keep things in perspective so we can go back to thinking about who we are and what we stand for and what we
2: believe. Correct. That's the goal. Yes, beautifully stated. Beautifully stated. Yeah, and and the and it's you know it's when we understand that it's an evolutionary imperative. We're hardwired to think about the things we don't like that are happening in our life, or the problems, or the potential problems, or the mistakes we've got made in the past. We are hardwired to ruminate about those things. It's a common human experience. And so, the quite and actually can bring us down. Like some of us get very wrapped up in that type of thinking. It can lead to depression. It can lead to low self esteem. It can lead to a lot of significant problems in our lives. And so, the moment we can actually just take a step back and start to give ourselves the spaciousness to view the forest, we can see, oh, yeah, you know, there's a potential problem down the horizon, or oh, I made a mistake yesterday, but that's not the end of you know, the be-all and end-all of everything. There, there's also beautiful things I did in my life yesterday. There are beautiful possibilities for tomorrow. Not everything I did five years ago or 10 years ago was horrible. Yeah, I've learned and I've grown as as an adult, but I also was, was making good choices and beautiful choices all along.
0: Manish, I have to say, while you were speaking, I closed my eyes and just listened. And it was so calming. So thank you.
2: <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And you know, I, 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 I was sharing this with my own community this past weekend. You know, when I when I talk about things and I say, you know, we as a we as a species or we as a people are are struggling with something, dealing with something. I include myself in the we. I mean, that's the only way I've arrived at any understanding of what it means to be human. Is that I I actively wrestle with all of these issues too. Um, The way that, you know, uh, reminiscence and rumination and forward projecting, you know, problems, like all of these, uh, it's active for me too. So I have to work on all this. and, And when I can, you know, here's the beautiful thing. When I am able to kind of find just the perspective to look at things more fully, hold things in context, breathe, give things breathing space and breathing room, finding my own way to the best possible me is not hard work. Like our our insides, our essence, our soul, it wants to be that, it wants the fullness of that. We just have to give ourselves a little bit of breathing space to allow ourselves to live into the fullness of that best possibility. It wants to thrive, it wants to expand, it wants to be the, the main energy in our lives and in the unfolding of our lives.
1: Well, Sherry has heard from a lot. Well, Sherry and I have both heard from a lot of our listeners that one thing they do comment about a lot when we have you on is how soothing and comforting your voice is. And when we when we listen to you, it does give us the opportunity to quiet ourselves for a minute and just listen to what
2: you're saying. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's Like I said, it's an honor and a privilege to be of... Service in the in the world and to others and and you're both doing that too, you know, which is one of the reasons I hold this connection so so dear. I really appreciate the difference uh, you're both trying to make in the world, Sherry and Fran. and thank you for that. Well, thank you. Let's talk about opportunities for
0: gratitude. Now, I am an early riser, and when I get up and I do this religiously every day, I come out and sit in my recliner and I take moments of gratitude. And I I have a book that I read every day and it has gratitudes in that. I also have a diary and it's just one line a day about something that you did, that you are proud that you did it that day. And just by starting my day with reading some uh, gratitudes by writing something down that I actually did and was proud of, and also I do at least five minutes of quiet, deep breathing. Beautiful. and then I start my day. And that has worked for me, but there's other opportunities for gratitude. so let's talk about that for a bit.
2: I love what you just shared, Sherry. Um, you know, in spirituality circles, it's often said that gratitude is... A precursor, it's a necessary building block to, to joy. And, and we distinguish joy from, uh, from happiness, which can be kind of this ephemeral, fleeting emotion of a high. Something good happened to me, I feel happy, it's temporary. And the temporary little high or bump kind of fades eventually. Joy is is different. It is a more um, a deeper kind of experience, intrinsic, you could say, to a qual to the quality of being, the quality of our lives that as we're actually living them. And so, joy is not necessarily ephemeral. And and gratitude is one of the things that. So what it does. Here's the beauty of this practice. And by the way, there's scientific research on this. Uh, again, in the field of psychology, they've done immense studies, any kind of gratitude practice, sustained for over 30 days consistently, People consistently report that the quality of their lives is significantly better. They feel calmer, it's a perspective giving practice, just like meditation can be. It gives you perspective, you feel more joy, you feel more connected with your environment, your relationships. So there's tons of scientific research on there for anybody who wants to look up um, research on related to gratitude practices. So, but any kind of practice like this, and what I would, I would offer another little, just deeper twist on so, yes, it, often um, I remember, and I think I shared it in an earlier podcast, you know, when I was going through a divorce, uh, one of the things that helped pull me out of the, the funk and the depression that I was in was noting, noticing a tree flowering on the campus where I was in my, my graduate school program. And, you know, I felt this sense of gratitude that I could, I could witness such a moment of natural beauty. And that, and that gratitude naturally was a pathway to joy, the joy of existence, the joy of being alive. So it does this, it, it naturally does this. And in the climate we're living in, where there is so much interpersonal strife at the societal level, I mean, it's endemic, really. Our relationships are, at the societal level, are tattered and frayed. It's it's a source of great sadness to me, continual sadness to me. So so one of the things I would want to encourage is how do we bring expressed gratitude into our relationships? We actually don't tell people we're close to, that we're in relationship with. We don't tell people enough that they matter to us, that we are, we are grateful that they're in our lives, that the things that they do small or big have have mattered to us. Uh, We noticed them, they made a positive difference. I I encourage everyone, you know, um, usually most of us have at least a couple of those incidences a week and we take them for granted. And rather than taking them for granted, you know, we should go back to that old, old-timey practice of handwriting notes and mailing people. You know, little letters of appreciation, little love letters, if you will. But really, they're friendship letters. Is is what I mean. You know, relational letters, honoring our connections. Yes, these are the practices. Let's take them and let's deepen them. They do lead to joy. They lead to greater connection in our lives.
1: Well, I love to verbally express. My gratitude to people. Um, I make sure I tell them uh, I thank them for their thoughtfulness. I thank them for their help, um, that I appreciate them. But Manish, you know, you know what I think happens is a lot of people aren't used to hearing those things. So it almost becomes awkward when you offer that little bit of appreciation and gratitude out loud. A lot of people don't know how to react and don't know how, what to do with it.
2: That's, that's absolutely true. And I, I struggle with this myself, honestly, maybe you both do as well. Yeah. Culturally, we're not, we're not taught like how to, sure. We're, we're, you know, we're primed to receive critique and people telling us how we've messed up and gotten things wrong. I mean, in a way that's more culturally acceptable. And so, you know, I find with my colleagues and I, because um, we often have to remind one another, you know, when we offer one another praise uh, or appreciation or gratitude, what we say is just sit with it. Let's just breathe. Don't listen. Let's not just brush off and run, move on to the next thing. But can we just take 30 seconds or a minute? Just let's just hold that together. That's often enough. That's right it, it it doesn't always require a response no uh, and and it is a it is often it, it, so i think it's how do we create more presence simply just being present wow somebody just said something really beautiful uh, about my my oh you all did about my voice you know we could be we could take a, a few seconds and be present to that and i could let it really sink in and say wow that's a beautiful thing i i, I don't know if anybody has said that to me before my mom had a radio program, by the way, when we when I was a kid, so she was a radio personality, the way that the two of you are, and uh, so thank you. I, I actually, you're your noticing of the of my gift is helping me connect to my own history that way.
1: Well, you touched on joy, and I am a big believer that we all need more joy in our life, even if it's just simply the joy of existence, which kind of leads me into. What I was going to talk about next is uh, the practice of mindfulness. Um, I'm a big proponent. I I know that it just became popular not too long ago, and now it is a big thing. There's books about it. There's podcasts about it. Um, there's lots of reading material on mindfulness. I know I started it. I watched a movie uh, a few years ago called The Magic of Ordinary Days, and it did hit me that we take so many ordinary things for granted and we shouldn't because we can all find joy in the simplest things
2: yes and and being mindful you know in, in the buddhist tradition there's a lot written about this a lot of very very good books about mindful practices mindfulness practices it doesn't mean only noticing beauty and and the things that are around us that are good. Although we do, it is true. We don't spend enough of our uh, thinking, noticing devoted to that. It is more so to the problems. But, you know, I think it's a I take it as a win. If I'm able to do 50 50, if I can if I can 50 percent notice the potential problems, the mistakes I've made, the things I'm worried about, about the future and just as equally Notice the things that are beautiful, good, going well, well supported, uh, connected to others, you know, that's ac- given the, how our minds, the predisposition that our minds have, again, that evolutionary psychology piece that I spoke about, given that predisposition, if I view it as a total I've succeeded if I can get it to 50/50. Um, that I'm equally mindful of and noticing the fullness of life which includes challenges, troubles, possible problems, and joy, beauty, amazing relationships, the presence of love, etc.
0: Let's talk a little bit about spiritual and religion. First of all, explain the difference because a lot of times people will say I'm spiritual but I'm not religious. And I'm confused by that.
2: Yeah. I used to say that in my 20s. Um, I was (laughs) spiritual but not religious, and so I'm just going to be the best me that I can. Kind of on my own is also what I meant by that. So there are religions that are structured, right? And are arguably the one I belong to has some structure, but it's the least structured among the various possibilities. You know, highly structured religions we could take as like Catholic, Episcopalian, Hinduism too, my native Hinduism, where there's a lot of structure, a lot of rules, a lot of the guidance or ex- expectation around how you're supposed to be doing things. When we use the word religion, that's often what most people are thinking of. They're thinking of the structured possibilities that offer, you know, perhaps even very direct guidance. Spirituality, people are usually meaning like, yeah, I have a spiritual path, I'm a spiritual being, meaning that I'm striving to be my best self, which includes living ethically, morally well, connected to my deeper sense of self, my deeper sense of calling and purpose in the world. All of that is part of personal spirituality. Now, there are, uh, the thing that uh, often, and I I presume your listeners are uh, probably had chances to explore, you know, like the full range of possibilities that are out there in the world of religion and spirituality. The options are not only the highly structured faith communities such as Episcopal, Catholic, or, or Hindu. There's a whole range of options. You know, for example, the Quaker tradition offers very little guidance. They provide a space, essentially. And you get to show up and be in your own deep personal discernment, um, supported by community. In my tradition, Unitarian Universalism, you know, there's some broad ethical principles, uh, but there's a lot of different interpretation around how to live into those broad ethical principles. So, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, let's say less directive, less heavily structured, community becomes the focus. So, you know, I belong to a formal denomination, but the main focus is kind of a lived a lived ethics and then maybe even as important or at times more important than that, we're having a sense of shared community that I'm on a path with others. So, that's what I would say my big learning from my 20s was that I I I don't like the the image or metaphor throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but I <laughs> it's horrible. I it's a horrible. It, woman. it but, is. Uh, but what we mean is getting rid of something good while we were trying to solve a problem is that was what we mean by that. And so I was trying to step away from Hinduism's um, rigidity and I gave up community and I didn't I wasn't trying to give up community. I was trying to give up the rigidity. And so it was in my late 20s. I, I found Unitarian Universalism. It was like, ah, I can have a freer, more, more open experience and have community. And by the way, it's a semi-structured thing that is considered a formal denomination. So there's a lot of range of possibilities, but that's a little bit how that language is often used and differentiated.
0: Excellent description of that. Thank you.
2: Yeah.
0: That's always been confusing to me.
2: Yeah, we can be, we are, Well, so spirituality, one can even say that's innate, you know, like, isn't that longing to want to be our best truest selves innate. I think that's what I was describing a little while ago. And, and so if we take that longing as innate to live into our highest possibility, our goodness, our most moral selves, then it's just a question of, well, which, with which others do you want to do that? And what kind of, what level of structure do you, would you like or not like around that?
0: I like that, Manish. Thank you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How can our listeners connect with you
2: well, my, uh, my congregation is uh, the First Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Our congregational website is www.uuaa.org. And, and, you know, actually, if, it, if it's uh, okay to mention this, uh, my community is hosting a, a native Michigander later in February, uh, February 19th, 20th, Mark Nepo, author and poet. Uh, we're hosting him, and it's a free program available to the public. Folks can attend virtually or in person. So um, I hope if your listeners are are potentially interested. And in, he's a beautiful spiritual thinker, by the way. He's just a, an amazing human being. And uh, as a free program, you know, you can't go wrong. If folks are interested, uh, please check out our community. Check out that upcoming program. And folks are always welcome to write to me directly. My contact information is available through my congregation's website. Well,
1: so will you have the Will you have that information on your website on, on how we can listen to that program, Manish?
2: Yes. Uh, advanced registration is required because even if folks are attending virtually, um, there's a cap on that. Uh, the, their in-person attendance is also possible. And uh, the registration information is on the homepage of our website.
1: Okay. And is it both days or is it the same program both days?
2: The Saturday, the 19th, Mark uh, Nipo will be leading a workshop on our site, on our premises, which uh, folks can attend in person or virtually. Sunday, the 20th of February, there'll be two Sunday services and Mark will be the featured speaker in both of those Sunday services.
1: Okay, great.
0: Manish, once again, we want to thank you for being a part of Modern Little Podcast. We always love having you on our show.
2: I love being here with you both and just a beautiful shout out to all of your listeners. Happy new year to each of you. Keep trying to be the best you you can be. It's worth it.
1: Thanks Manish. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: We want to thank our executive producer for her continued expert advice and critiques of our podcast. And you know what Fran? We need to have our executive producer on the show sometime.
1: Oh my gosh, how much fun would that be?
0: It would be a blast. Yes. Many thanks to Park North Studios for mixing our audio. A very big thank you to our special guest, Reverend Manish Mishra Marzetti, for making our podcast so beneficial, informative, and interesting to our audience. And of course, we want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in and listening each week. If you would like to write a comment, our email address is modern.whittle.podcast at gmail.com. Again, modern.whittle.podcast at gmail.com. You can listen to our podcast on the following apps, Anchor, Spotify, Breakers, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. I'm Sherry.
1: And I'm Fran. Next week, we're catching up and wrapping up for a few weeks. Sherry and I are both in need of some sun and warm weather. So we are out of here for a bit and we'll be back in a few weeks after that. This week's quote uh, ties into our theme of New Year's goals. People with purpose, goals, and vision have no time for drama. They invest their energy in creativity and focus on living a positive life. See you next week.
3: Bye-bye. Slip sliding away Slip sliding away You know the nearer your destination The more you slip sliding away I know a man He came from my hometown He wore his passion for his woman like a thorny crown Said, Dolores I live in fear My love for you is so overpowering I'm afraid that I will disappear Slip sliding away Slip sliding away You know the nearer your destination The more you slip sliding away I know a woman became a wife These are the very words she uses to describe her life She said a good day ain't got no rain. She said a bad day's when I lie in bed And think of things that might have been slip sliding away slip sliding away you know the nearer destination the more you slip sliding away and I know a father who had a son he longed to tell him all the reasons for the things he'd done he came a long way just to explain. He kissed his boy as he lay sleeping, then he turned around and headed home again. His slip-sliding, slip-sliding away. You know the near your destination, the more you slip-sliding. God only knows God makes his plan The information's unavailable to the mortal man We're working our jobs Collect our pay. Believe we're gliding down the highway When in fact we're slip-sliding Slip sliding away, slip sliding away, you know the nearest destination, oh, you slip sliding away, slip sliding away, slip sliding away. Slip sliding away.